Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. This is volume 11, issue 527, and today we're going to be talking about Darksiders 2. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Oh, and Leah Haydu. You know, if we all could do parkour like death, it, it would just be a different world. All. Well, that is true. And given that we've just been talking about various self-inflicted in one way or another <laughs> injuries before we started recording. Um, I mean, actually, death does fall off stuff, uh, but he gets picked up by his sort of spiritual altar, doesn't he? And mm. returned to the field of play. If only that could have happened to Yeah, I'm Brian intensely jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see social media for details, if you like. Gory details. Darksiders 2 is a third-person action RPG. Anything else I should say uh, for the skinniest description of this game? I think that, well, this is probably not in the skinny description, but I, I think that there is something worth noting in that it it, it has Zelda-style dungeons. Um, it sure does. Uh, yeah, so that's it's it's a little bit more yeah. than just kind of a, a linear, straightforward um, action RPG. Yeah. But but yeah, I think I think you're right on there with the bake the basics of it. True enough. We covered the original Darksiders, the game that came before this, on, we released our podcast on September the 2nd, 2012. God. <laughs> it's been 10 years, give or take a few weeks uh, at the time. Well, in fact, some of you will be hearing this. It will be around 10 years since we released that podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't go back and listen to it, uh, mainly because I didn't want to... Um, tie myself in knots trying to avoid saying things again kind of thing because it's that long ago that I just wanted to come to this one mm. afresh. Yeah. I may listen to it afterwards and see what we said. And, yeah, just to see, because I'm interested. We've, we haven't had much conversation about this game as we've been preparing for this show, but I I think that some of the, the things we shared are that um, the game, we, we feel like this game has aged quite a bit in a decade, and I want to get into why later because... Sometimes we cover games that are ten years old and it's fresh as a daisy, and we uh, we you know embrace the the joy of having gone back to it. And other times you're like, whoa, video gaming, despite what people say, has actually moved on quite a bit <laughs> in the last decade. We'll offer a spoiler warning. I don't know how deep we'll get into the plot, but we will talk on some of the characters and uh, and occurrences. But what are our histories with this ten year old game? Uh, let's start with Leah. So I, this is, this is actually um, kind of a, a funny, unusual uh, thing that, that happened with me in this game. Um, I played it right at release, and I did not review the game. I did review the strategy guide for the game, and I don't oh. remember how exactly that happened. Hmm. I believe I was, I was um, writing stuff for GameHounds at that point. Um, and, and for some reason I, we were, we got a review copy of the strategy guide. So I still have right. that strategy guide. I did not use it on this playthrough. Um, mm. uh, I just didn't really feel like I needed it, but, um, yeah, it's, um, it was just something that I guess you don't 
see very much as no. certainly not was it, a, was it a decent strategy guide? I think from what I remember, yes. I, I tried to actually find the review um, so that I could at least share it uh, with you guys, if not with the internet. But I think it's it's since been taken down or archived Purged. somewhere. So mm. um, yeah, I couldn't find it. But uh, it the right to forget, review. whatever they call it on Google. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, but yes, so I uh, played... Darksiders 1 uh, around when that came out and then played Darksiders 2 right at launch. And I don't think that I've touched it in the 10 years or so since the launch. Um, so I'm very glad that I did. I, I try to, even with games that I have played, I do try to replay them leading up to a podcast uh, if if I can, if it's at all possible. And I did that with this game. And I'm really glad that I did because there are a lot of things that I had forgotten and that I definitely would not have known to talk about. Uh, so I, I actually replayed Darksiders 1 and then immediately replayed Darksiders 2 right after that um, because I don't have enough things to be replaying for podcasts <laughs> right around now. But, yeah, um, yeah. but I did do that because um, I wanted to be able to uh, kind of you know, just see what the similarities and the differences were. And uh, it was kind of a cool experience, but well, we'll get into more uh, specifics. But yeah, so I played, I played it twice, once at launch and then once uh, over this past week or so. Which version did you play this time? This time I played the PS4 Death, Death, Death Initiative. Yeah. That's yeah, the one. Whatever. Yep. The okay. bad pun. Um, that that version. So Okay, yeah. cool. Josh, do you remember Hello. do you remember ten years ago? Ten years ago. I wasn't that young. Well, <laughs> twenty two. Barely barely count as an adult. A babe um, in arms. Yeah. Um I was weirdly um excited for Dark Souls 2. Uh Dark Souls 2. Bingo <laughs> <laughs> uh, Car. Uh, Dark Souls 2. <laughs> That's just uh, gratuitous. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's always on the mind. Um, anyway, I was I was weird, uh, weirdly excited for Darksiders too. Um, given that um, I'm really tepid on Darksiders one, I think it's solid. Like it's it's a well executed game, but it it never grabbed my heart. Um, and to be frank, I think War is one of my least favorite. Uh, hmm. video game protagonist uh, top to bottom i don't like the voice acting performance for war i don't like the design i think war is over designed i i mean i think you can level that same criticism at death to a degree but i think war takes it up to 11 um and <laughs> yeah um so but i i think i viewed Darksiders one as as like a platform to launch off of. Like this is solid, but I don't love it. But maybe the sequel will capitalize on the potential that's there. And a lot of the things that I saw about Darksiders two gave me hope. Um, I like the design of the protagonist a little bit more. I liked the vocal performance a, a mm -hmm. little bit more. I liked the music a little bit more. Um, and um, the direction it was going in terms of the worlds it was going to explore, all of that stuff had me really intrigued. So I ended up being day one on this one with the PC version. Um, and in retrospect, I'm really, really glad that I went in on the PC version and secured that copy on Steam um, for reasons that I'm sure we're going to go into later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've also revisited the game um, this year. I've both played the original PC version, the def def eh, 
definitive <laughs> edition on PC yep. and also revisited the old uh, 360 version as well. Cool, cool. Brian, how about you? Uh, yeah, so I, much like um, Leah, um, I think, um, I reviewed the strategy guide. No, just okay. Um, no, I I was a Darksiders fan of the first one, and, and I actually remember getting the first Darksiders. I was in um, GameStop, and I had some, uh, some like, extra trading credit, and I was kind of, like, doing that dance where it's like, I can't really want to buy something, but I don't really know what's out. And the guy behind the counter said, hey, have you heard of Darksiders? And I'm like, no, I haven't. He's like, yeah, it's like Adult Legend of Zelda, and like as a twenty whatever year old, I'm like, that's for me, you know. So I I got it and and played through it and really enjoyed it. So for Darksiders two, I was a day one uh, purchase. Um, where my uh, similarities to Leah come in is that I I played it at launch uh, to completion. I played it for you know however many hours I, I I dumped into it, you know, thirty or forty hours with all the extra things you can do, and I didn't touch it again until last month. Um, I played the definitive edition on uh, Series X. Um, so I played through, uh, that it, over the course of maybe a three week period in the month of, uh, actually been two months ago, time of recording. And, uh, likely I'm really glad I did. Cause there was a lot that I did not remember from this game. So, um, so feeling pretty fresh, fresh on it now. I was actually just in the other day, um, trying to poke at some of the DLC stuff. Um, some of those I w- wasn't quite leveled up enough for after, uh, completing the main game. And, um, so we'll get into some of that in a bit. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I played Darksiders 1 fairly soon after it came out, I think. Well, certainly ahead of the the podcast we did on it anyway. Um, I think I I bought it once the the price dropped. It was that kind of thing. Uh, And yes, you can go back and listen to find out what I thought. But essentially, similar to Josh, I think not overwhelmed or blown away by it, but enjoyed what was uh, yeah quite a solidly well-made game with some cool dungeons and serviceable combat and all that kind of thing uh the scope of this one is larger as we'll get into which was um something that they'd apparently the developers have wanted to do with the first game but hadn't the the time budget or experience necessarily to to do that um but now i'm thinking actually maybe it's a a a batman arkham knight versus arkham city kind of situation where actually the first game in hindsight may have benefited from being slightly truncated and slightly less grand in scope so i bought this one again i think after it had uh its first sort of major price drops i remember buying a physical copy on ps3 with the intention of playing it but never getting around to it and since then i think i've acquired it on about four different formats uh games with gold on the xbox 360 i think it's been on the epic games store it was part of the nintendo humble bundle on the wii u so i've got that version as well (laughs) Uh, and the definitive version on PS4 was a PS Plus game. And for this show, I uh, I started playing that version and then uh, was a bit, uh, I, was, I was sort of looking into it. And obviously there are some advantages with that. It has all the DLC included and stuff like that. But actually I decided in the end to go back to playing the 360 version, but on my Series X. Not that it's enhanced particularly in any way other than, I guess, the process of make sure that the, the 30 fps cap is uh achieved at all times but there's no kind of resolution benefit or frame rate benefit beyond that um yeah i played it through over a few weeks leading up to this podcast and finished it a couple of weeks ago vigil games made it vigil games did not last very long they made two games as vigil games darksiders and darksiders 2 and then uh, went defunct in 
2013. So they actually they lasted for eight years from 2005. THQ and THQ Nordic, the publishers, uh, directors are Joe Madureira, who is also a comic book guy, right? Writer and artist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we talked a bit more about that in in the original Darksiders show. Um, the game was released on PC, PS3, and 360 in its original guise on August 2012. Uh, the Wii U version was a Wii U launch game. That's how long ago Ooh. this game came out. Uh, it was already three months old when it arrived on the Wii U as uh, in November 2012. The remaster, the definitive edition, came out for the next generation of machines, PS4, Xbox One, and the PC again, October, November 2015. So, yeah, it was quite a quick turnaround on that uh, next-gen remaster conversion type of situation. Branford Hubbard from our Patreon says, The game is buggy on PC, and I have to delete my save file and start over if I want to finish it. My experience was not great, but many should have gotten this game for free or very cheap in numerous bundles and giveaways so i'd recommend it if you're careful managing your saves or are conscious that you can break puzzles easily also i ended up breaking the sound somehow and had to mess around in the settings to get steam controller support since the game only natively supports xbox 360 controllers it also still has xbox 360 notations controller uh, mapping on pc which is confusing Actually, confusing gets upgraded to problematic when we've also got QTEs. Doesn't seem all that definitive to me, says Branford. One more version arrived, of course, for the Switch, because THQ Nordic, of course, saw an opportunity there and uh, got, the, uh, got the game up and running in some form. But I haven't played the Switch version, so I can't speak to how well it performs, how good it looks, but it came out... Nearly three years, three years ago itself now, in September 2019. The original version reviewed decently. I think, I guess the original Darksiders had been kind of something that had maybe taken people by surprise a bit. And uh, kind of the reviews were, were positive and then the, the word of mouth was kind of good. Uh, this game kind of followed up in a similar vein, certainly with the reviews. It got an 83 average on Metacritic. The definitive version has an average of 73, which I guess you can put down partly to the then three year age of the game, but also the maybe some of the issues with that edition. Scrussell from our forum says the remaster made questionable choices in changing the art style of the game, as well as being very technically flawed. The lighting is arguably better than the original, but it muted the color palette and is very buggy and unstable. The original has a more consistent look, but on PC it is perhaps even more buggy. It's a shame that there's no way to play the game these days without caveats. User reviews across the board on Metacritic, we have between 7.3 and 8.3, the same as reviewers. IMDb, it has a 7.8, Push Square 7.6, Nintendo Life 7.5 for the Wii U version, and a healthier 7.9 for the Switch version, Steam, this is only the definitive version, of course, is a mostly positive from 11,000 folks who have registered their review. Matt L, also from our forum, says, Darksiders 2 Definitive Edition made its way to PlayStation Plus and I finally played it for about three hours. To me, Darksiders 2 was the biggest meh possible. The combat was nothing special, the art style was fine, the levels were okay, nothing was particularly bad, nor was anything particularly good. It just competently existed. 
There's something I believe Gary Butterfield from Duckfeed TV has said about games that struck him in a similar way. He, I believe, called them a video game ass video game, <laughs> which I understand to mean a bland product that fits the definition of a video game, but just doesn't have what it takes to make a long lasting impression. That perfectly encapsulates my thoughts on Darksiders 2. Now, I don't know Gary Butterfield well or Duckfeed TV, but I actually thought the idea of a video game ass video game was one that didn't have any pretensions to being a different art form so so did uh, i because i'm pretty sure that's a jeff gerstman thing actually right um, yeah and and just because as someone who does listen to these podcasts sure. i i think gary actually uses it in that context to, to 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 describe a game that's just like pure wireframe like you enjoy this as a game so i see okay. yeah 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 so yeah slightly different interpretations there but we still understand what you mean matt yeah. for sure uh absolutely all good. Sales-wise, uh, the game was a disappointment. Back in October 2012, Michael Pachter was quoted in games or on gamesindustry.biz. August release, Darksiders 2 has sold an estimated 1 million units to date and appears to be struggling to approach its 2 million break-even threshold. VG Charts, though, has the total sales at less than 800,000 in total. Who knows which is accurate? Um, obviously, the the game has since come out on uh, on other formats and been remastered and been given away and and whatever else. So I imagine a reasonable number of people have ended up with this game. Whether they've actually played it or not is another matter. It's telling that uh, I mean, partly to do with our social media reach, but we don't normally have a problem getting three word reviews. We had absolutely no Twitter responses <laughs> to asking for three word reviews wow. for this yeah. game today. Oh my God. Okay. Now that's very, uh, that occasionally happens when we cover really, really obscure niche stuff or really ancient stuff. But normally if we cover like a, a, a fairly well regarded 10 year oldish game, we'll get loads because people are like, you know, they have memories, they have things to say. Uh, whether it was just one of those days, whether the algorithm's up the spout, or whether nobody had anything to say about Darksiders oh, wow. 2. Yeah. Here I got one. It's a game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Never played Video it. game ass. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a couple from uh, from uh, other correspondents, so uh, we will be doing that. But yeah, uh, striking to me. Um, yeah, I just, that that's really surprising to me, only because it was so on my personal radar. You know, so yeah. you definitely have that bias, right? You know, if it matters to you, it must matter to everybody. But um, yeah, right. But but yeah, that's 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 shocking to me that it, that it was um, that type of sales total. Also, because like just the amount of Xbox 360s that were out in the wild those days, yeah. like that, mm -hmm. like as a kind of like action adventure game with Diablo like kind of loot stuff that we'll probably talk yeah. about in a bit. And like it was pretty high profile. Yeah, uh, people really liked big... that first one. In right, from yes, what I yeah. recall, uh, so yeah, you Every... would have thought. Every GameStop had that big picture of death with the two scythes on it. You know what I mean? Like I, like I'm, I that that's just I just find it shocking. Let's talk about the scenario. Joe Madureira says Darksiders Two is an action adventure game featuring death, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The game focuses on his journey through a pretty wild collection of fantasy realms as he struggles to free one of his horsemen brothers. War from the first game in Darksiders: The Apocalypse was brought on prematurely, and war was said to blame. Anyway, this is a prequel, um, yeah, which actually kind of seems odd when you consider that in the first game, War never really mentions death, but in this game, 
that is the motivation. Death is very interested in and vocal mm. about his desire to save his brother and how everything he does is for his brother and his brother is getting blamed for this and his brother, his brother, his brother. And then, I, I don't know, maybe War is just very ungrateful, but War never really mentions Death or anything that Death went through to uh, attempt to free War in uh, Darksiders 1. So, I don't know, maybe maybe it's a weird sibling relationship there. I will say, on a purely shallow surface level i do like death considerably more as a character mm -hmm. than war um death is not a deep character or a complicated character <laughs> it is purely just um i think the aesthetic works for me more it's still very much 90s comic book todd mcfarlane-esque yeah. design it's just War was at 11, and this is maybe at a 9, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so it's more palatable to me. Uh, the big difference for me is the the vocal performance. This yeah. is um, Michael Wincott uh, yes. uh, of The Crow fame, um, and also Alien Resurrection. Um, but, many um, other things as well. Many uh, other things yeah, that yeah. are way better than he seems to be once. He, Yeah, um, <laughs> he seems to be quite selective in his uh, in his choices. I, I guess he probably does quite a lot of stage work as well. And yeah, yeah if you'd yeah, only yeah. ever seen him in Alien Resurrection, you might think there's not much about him. But uh, he's currently no, he, he's currently lined up to be in uh, Nope, the new yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm really excited to see that film and see him in it. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think, like, my, I'm all joking aside, I think Michael Wincott is, is actually a really good performer. And, With and a great you can, voice. You, yeah, You can feel voice. it here. Um, it's it's gravelly without being too much, if, if you know what I mean. It, Deus Ex. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, and there's there's a cheekiness to death there's a playfulness to death mm. that comes through i don't know if that's really in the script or whether that's michael wincott playing about a bit and mm. seeing what he can get away with i mean there's um, not much in the script for him to play about with i would say yeah. so I, I think he's he's done what he can with i think he's he's elevated the material the right? Yeah, right like right. The, the, the the he he is elevating what he's been given and um it's it's a big reason why like um for all this game's faults i i do find the game propulsive because i i did get attached to this character even if it's like surface level like just like that kid kid attachment um i yeah. i did find this character enjoyable to be around so i will uh i will respectfully disagree here um I did think that the vocal performance was very good um, and and suitable to the character, but I just, Death is just too edgy. For, like, he is, <laughs> he is very much the, I'm, if he were a human character, he would be wandering around in a black trench coat and... And I just, I don't know. I, I think they tried a little too hard, but it is I death, disagree so with I don't you. know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I am judging this on a curve, if, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do agree with your assessment of death. I think <laughs> when I, I'm comparing it to War, and, that's, and yeah, War is a character that sounds like he's struggling to breathe with every line that he says. Yeah. Um, and everything is the most extreme thing that has ever happened to him. And... 
I think maybe I like the physical design of war a little bit better, just because I think it's kind of cool to have this large, chunky boy uh, with a great big sword that is, you know, running That's around. That's still pretty chunky. Oh, I mean, yeah, the, he's, the art he's, design he's is a big such. Bo- he's still large, yes, but he's also more uh, agile. You know, yeah, yeah. with with the aforementioned parkour. Aesthetics. He reminds me of um, Soul Reaver. He's top heavy. Yeah, is what he yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I guess I'm yeah. slightly more with Josh in the sense that I did. I think again, it's all all about Michael Wincott's performance. He gives him a slight fruitiness, a sort of campness almost, which mm. stops him from being pure uh, black trench coat collar up. You know, I'm 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 Mr. Edge. Interestingly, Joe Madureira himself says it may sound simple, but to be frank, we just thought it would be cool to have death in the game. When we started Darksiders, we were torn between featuring death or war. I think at the time we thought death was somehow too easy and that war felt more like the natural leader of the group. He's the Leonardo, to use a Ninja Turtles analogy. Death to me is more of a Raphael character, cooler, edgier, more of a wild card. I think he fits well as the second entry into the series. He's yeah. a he's a horseman of the apocalypse who doesn't play by the rules. <laughs> I I think that the the vocal performance does so much for this character that like I think on paper when you read like the story of war and like what's it like like he's just Kratos, you know, like he's he's right. got the souls of the people that he killed inside of his chest as opposed to the ashes on the skin of his body like oh, yeah. you know he's kind of you know he doesn't his... yell boy at anybody he doesn't yell boy well Kratos didn't yell boy yet. this is early Kratos early Kratos yeah and like his his one his one solution to everything is to turn into a giant you know scythe wielding spirit man and just rip everything's head off and um but the the vocal performance really really elevates it like I mean like for the the silliest things of just like walking into a room and you see the crow father standing there and you just know you're going to get that voice that line read of crow father oh it's so good like i, I <laughs> that's the type of stuff that like pushes me on cuz i just kind of want to see how those lines were developed but like as far as the character itself he's just kind of like I, I don't see him more of a trench coat wielding guy like he, he's the guy who's taking the mosh pit too seriously and everybody's moving away from him <laughs> that's that's how i see death Lots of belts, you know? <laughs> ah, almost Final fantasy Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Strong cast, I think, uh, but maybe, you know, lo- lots of the lots of the voices we, we know and love and have mentioned on this show many times before. Steve Bloom, Troy Baker, uh, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, um, Fred Tatasiore, Phil Lamar, so on, so on, so on. But um, but I don't, uh, you know, I'd be I'd be lying if I said there were plenty of outstanding scenes there's a lot of yeah 90s cartoonish kind of growling at each other and um a little bit of levity here and there but nothing too much um it was nothing that really kind of made me raise an eyebrow and think yeah there's there's something a bit more going on here than just pure yeah 90s comic book cartoon kind of shenanigans visually then uh, Branford Hubbard again from our Patreon says, I enjoyed the colour palette. You'd think for a game starring death, they'd just stick to heavy metal and brown colour palette. But no, it's very World of Warcraft-esque. Death is very mobile. Maybe just because I don't do action games or 3D pl- platformers all that often anymore, I enjoyed controlling him. The game doesn't punish you for falling off the ledge, which is always a plus. Uh, that's obviously more in the, the gameplay realm. But what about the the visuals? I do think of the... The purple, which was sort of heavily featured on the box, but actually the in-game 
there's some of that. There's a bit of purple and green and things like this, but there's actually a lot of kind of, I don't know, sort of washed out silverish, grayish kind of. Yeah, depends on kind of where you are, really. True. I, I think yes. I think that the World of Warcraft comparison is is kind of apt, in my opinion. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of, it's but, a stark transition from the first game, which is really gray, brown, dark. Yeah. I mean, even the sections where you're fighting the angels going to heaven are still crumbled buildings, crumbled concrete, you know, and uh, like to start out this game kind of in like a grassy knoll with kind of this like the 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 giants who are kind of more like woodland type, and then. And then, you know, your first couple of dungeons are like the almost like the water temple, and the fire temple or whatever. You know what I mean? But like every place has its own unique palette and, it, and nothing felt bland, um, save for maybe when you do go to Earth and do the third person shooter section. But that's a that's a whole. Um, oh, whole yeah. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. See, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it was surprisingly colorful for what I remember from the first game. Yeah, I, I feel like the first game very much. um fits in with the um artistic trends of of the era like i'm not saying all 360 games were that kind of color palette but i i do think there was a genuine trend of like brownie gray games during that era right like feels more resident like a evil... gears of war perhaps yeah, Ge- yeah. Ge- gears of war uh resident evil 5 has that kind of palette to it as well like a lot again like uncharted feels like the the oasis um uh in, in terms of aesthetics compared to a lot of third person shooters of that era mm. um but um yeah D- darksiders 2 and I mean this as a... Co- it's going to sound like a criticism. I mean this as a compliment. <laughs> um, I get a lot of PS2 energy off of yeah. Darksiders 2 yeah. um, in terms of aesthetic choices and sensibilities. Some would say in terms of fidelity as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think, uh, you know, it's the level of detail... Poly, right? It's quite low poly. It's a double-A e- game. Even, this, even at the time, right? It, this isn't yeah, yeah, just yeah. 10 years later. Like Even at the time, um, it's quite low poly. But I think it works for it. Um, I, I, I think it goes for that hyper-real cartoony look and and commits to it and going for those bolder colors those you know the bright colors brash colors and when it goes dark it goes dark like deep blacks and deep grays rather than the kind of Mm. um blander version of that you got from Mm. other 360 games so i think you know it's aged um there's no point beating around the bush there but i think it still has a charm to it i think it's still visually appealing and i also appreciate the variety like there's a lot of different locations that um that have different vibes and different feels brian i meant to ask you uh Mm. were there any other characters that stood out to you i'm thinking (laughs) of character design here oh yes no um they (laughs) i I love I love the character design in this game. It feels very old Disney to me, um, in the sense that mm. like hands, uh, feet, heads, gigantic, and like Shovels. the frames are like kind of like like either everybody's either designed like a an hourglass or a tree trunk, right? Like it's just kind of, uh, but it really embraces the exaggeration. Um, I think those first kind of characters that you meet um, at the initial forge as you're relighting the forge um, from the the kind of blind uh, magic lady who's selling you stuff to the the brother and sister or blacksmith, even to the kind of the I think his name's his name's like Grop or so he, the guy who's just constantly beating guy. up the dummies and he's <laughs> like come back when you're strong enough and then you do and he's like boy you got strong here's some money like um like <laughs> like all those guys it's very caricature esque to me and I yeah. I like that a lot um it 
kind of allows me just through character design to take it a little less seriously. And I don't mean that as a negative, just kind of like, yeah, like yeah. oh, this is a little more whimsical. Sure. Earth realms yeah, completely destroyed so. and being run by demons. Like I get it, but Hey, look at these people out here in the woods. They yeah. need help. And there's kind of like the younger brother. Who's kind of a doofus. Who's like, Oh, I lost my shield, man. You can find it when you're in there. Like, like I, I dug that part of it. It was, um, kind of a more warm and welcoming experience than I remember from the first Darksiders. That does tail, <coughs> excuse me, tail off as time goes on. Um, you go to the, obviously the underworld and, and kind of the, the design gets a little darker, a little more grim, but the general rules of character design still kind of stand. And um, yeah, I, I found the characters themselves to be uh, very interestingly designed. Oh yeah, the two, I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I'm thinking a lot as I'm talking, like the giant stone golems that kind of like they're, they're, their bulbous heads and the way their mouse moves. I thought it was well animated. It, it just looked really nice. Um, and it was probably the highlight of replaying the game for me. Cause every new character I came across, I just wanted to see like, did they even attempt to get the lip sync right here? Like what's it look yeah. like, you know, just kind of, kind of gaming it there, but no, I found it all very pleasant. From my point of view, the, uh, on the technical aspects, so I was, as I say, I was playing the 360 version, one of the, the original versions, but on the series X, which as I say, doesn't offer many enhancements. And in fact, even playing the game at, um, at the maximum 30 fps that the game allows it still felt choppy at times and it it's not that the it's not the frame rate is choppy or inconsistent and it's not even that the individual animation frames are poorly drawn it's more that there just aren't necessarily that many of them which is again maybe something that gives away its uh you know quotes double a roots um and i just found myself thinking i wish there was uh yeah i wish there was a more death in a edition like a a version that was actually on console that ran at 60 fps because uh even the the, the 2015 remaster still only targets 30 fps and um yeah the whole game just has this kind of slightly detached choppiness to it and and again yeah just that thing of going back to a uh a pre-previous gen game 360 era in in 2022 when we're increasingly used to 4k or near presentation and 60 fps or even above in some cases going back to that sort of era of game can feel a little bit um yeah like stepping back into the past and uh obviously not to the extent that playing ocarina of time on original hardware with its sort of 10 frames a second and whatever else but um but it feels like more of a step back than perhaps you expect it to be which if you play uh if you play it as josh did on a PC in high resolution and, and 60 plus FPS, you're going to get quite a different experience to going back to the, the launch console versions, as it were, I would think. Scrussel from our forum says, aesthetically, the game is quite pleasing. I like the bold, chunky comic book style of the visuals. Everything has a sharpness to it, but a sense of thickness as well. The variety of environments in the different realms you visit is also really nice. It gives the art style room to breathe and depict different moods and helps the game feel like an expansive journey across different worlds. I like being able to see other parts of this universe aside from just Earth, as the other mainline games focus on, which can get a bit visually repetitive as a result. And Mauricio MM from our forum says, The worlds became my favourite improvement of the game over the previous one. Post-apocalyptic Earth was rad enough, if a bit repetitive, setting but the addition of the other more fantasy-like locations felt just right for this game. All were cool, but I especially loved the Kingdom of the Dead, the Forgelands, and Lost Light. Is Lost Light, that's the uh, tower where the angel's hanging out, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a really great section. Um, I really I loved all the design through there. I thought the puzzles were quite good, um, challenging but not um, you know not impossible. Um, I think the way I described this game on on Slack to you all when I was playing it through a couple months ago was like it was very much a popcorn game for me. You know what I mean? Just kind of yeah. like moving on, doing the thing. And I remember Lost like yeah. being one of those ones where it was like, okay, I can't just button master here. I can't just do this. I'm kind of running low on potions. I don't really know where to go next. And I remember really enjoying that climb up the tower. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, just kind of the, the aesthetics of every setting, um, really, uh, were very cohesive to the point where they'd actually match the mini map. In fact, I really like the map in this game, not the mini map, excuse me, the big map when you pull it up because it has a lot of visual flair to it and it does those line of sight things where it's like, oh, well my yellow circles at this big tower and you come out and Hey, what do you know? You can, you can see the reflection of the items displayed on the map in the real world and in a kind of Mm. a cool way. And all that design from the coloring on the map to the design of everything matching the way the world looks, I thought was all done pretty well. I kind of mentioned before that um, everything feels very kind of modular and and just very divided up. And that actually works in its favor, in my opinion, with regard to the the aesthetics in particular, because when you leave one section, like the the section where you're uh, fighting alongside the angels and you go down into a different section where there are devils, you know, you can tell just by what's around you and how everything looks and how the the um, the visuals have been laid out for you kind of that that this is definitely a different section of this game and now you're going to be doing something different here now you have three new things that you need to go get and yeah i i I thought that it um it was maybe a little uh ham-fisted is too strong it was a little um obvious perhaps the way that they did divide things up like this but it, it it works it still works for me yeah it's a kind of um interesting uh i mean the game design as a whole in terms of the map and the world it's like a a pseudo semi open world but actually the manifestation of this is that there are simply a few bits where there are large empty areas for you to walk between map points until you unlock in said open world no (laughs) scattered here and there but mostly you're just on your horse yeah yeah, it reminded me actually, and again, to mention it again, it reminded me of kind of uh, what something that was amazing in 1998, but the 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 the, the field in Hyrule, you know, in, in Ocarina of Time uh, with a, a, a few scattered, not that interesting, repetitive enemies. Um, there are a few places where uh, along the way, along the road, which are non-mandatory, but do have sort of puzzles of their own to to solve for for chests and loot and things like that but they're they're pretty inessential for the most part other than for the the joy of uh of seeking them out and there's various uh there's various there's a a, a collectible the collectathon thing that i came absolutely nowhere near to achieving which is the little crystals that you shoot the the what now <laughs> right yeah this is like how consequential that maybe got by me yeah, yeah. So you know you got that gun thing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got a gun. Um, if you uh, if you look through the, I mean, you don't have to be looking through the, clicking the right stick in to look at the the viewfinder, the first person sort of aiming. Is it first or third? Anyway, um, but there's little dot, dotted crystals all around the world. They're they're not uh, they're not t- 
tiny, tiny, but they're they're small and they're embedded in cliffs and statues and things like this. And if you shoot them all, like, I guess they're a bit like pigeons in GTA 4. There's probably 200 of them or something. And if you shoot them all, something happens. And I can't even remember what it is. I think I got about 12 of them. <laughs> I did like not that. engage with that. And some people didn't even know they were there. I genuinely did not know wow. that that was a thing until just now. That's yeah. well communicated then. <laughs> <laughs> so that that... I, I don't know if this is the correct place to bring this up or not, but I that kind of speaks to something that I thought was weird about this game, and it's that, for the most part, it did a really good job of kind of showing tutorializing without dragging you into a separate tutorial. Mm. Like I, I thought it did okay when you get new things, you know. We kind of mentioned that you would then walk into a room and there would be two plates for your two dudes to stand on, you know, and that 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 worked yeah, for the right. most part as yeah. as a tutorial type of thing for me. But there were mm. a few just out of nowhere weird things that you needed to do to proceed that they didn't flag at all. And the one yeah. I'm thinking of in particular is actually in that tower that that Brian was just talking about. There's a section where you have to grab one of the uh, one of the explodey crystals and yeah, right. throw it to yeah. your other dude. They don't tell you about that at all. No. They say I nothing about that. That was like a deliberate we're not going to tell you this so you can solve it and when you do you'll feel cool. And I mean, as maybe. it turned out I eventually did, but yeah, I had the, to look the, it up. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, there were yeah. there were several bits I had to look up as well. So this is not a yeah, I solved it thing, but um, <laughs> but I do, I, I yeah, I I wasn't sure whether that 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 was that was deliberately not tutorialized because there were a few puzzles like that in the game yeah. that I well, felt. I got, cool. I got to the point where like uh, I I was trying to throw it over like the the, mm, the gap, mm -hmm. you know, but you can't That's just it. throw it over because if he doesn't catch it, then it just Blows explodes up. when it hits the ground. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. realize you could do that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had a, a very similar situation to that. And it's in the area in the in the underworld uh, where it's kind of like a, a like a combat arena, but you have to go off the three wings first and kind of activate three things. Of course, um, three wings, three things, <laughs> in order to unlock the boss in the center of the arena. And it's, it was um it was a puzzle involving the those statues that hold the green lanterns, and you turn yeah. them. And I just couldn't find one of the green lanterns, so I'm like, okay, I, I clearly I'm just ah. messing this up. So I yeah. look, so I look it up. And like even the description on the guide was so c confusing. Like like the, just the simple thing that I had to do was just you know throw it from one side to another, or like I f found a bomb or missed a bomb that I could use to blow up some of those yellow spiky rocks. But the convoluted nature in which I had to go about achieving yeah. these things, that bird is supposed to help me, right? Like where do I go next? <laughs> so I hit the dust. bird, and the bird just the keeps dust? flying directly the into the wall. <laughs> just bam, bam, yeah. bam. Like oh man. So it was the I same eventually... thing with yeah. It was the same thing with that tower thing. Like I, I tried the bird. The bird's just like, no, you need to go up the tower. I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah, the bird is the bird is your navi. We should say, and uh, yeah, at times I was incredibly grateful for the navi bird. Oh sure, because yeah. it was often very useful in just leading you through these environments, which um, can be quite samey looking um, with not that many identifying. Areas, you know, there's quite a lot of asset reuse, and especially when you're playing the the old murky 360 version, it's kind of it's quite easy to get kind of a bit mislaid. And I absolutely did look up uh, solutions or, or or ways forward in dungeons two or three times on YouTube, um, and I was very grateful for for all those videos out there. Just before we move on more to the gameplay, I just want to cover off the audio. Um, 
Mauricio MM again says, yes, but Kid was another great choice for the game in particular. I loved his more atmospheric comp- compositions. And Branford Hubbard says, Jesper Kid's as good as he always is, giving us a great soundtrack. And uh, yeah, certainly one of the aspects that did, I think, um, help kind of keep me somewhat immersed in, in this game, which maybe, yeah, maybe the technical and visual side was was uh, was a little bit more of a struggle. But the music, uh, I thought there's some really nice pieces in here. I th- I think the music does a similar job to Michael Wincott's performance in that it elevates everything, right? Because I, I we'll get onto this in a in a bit. I I have um, I'm not as fond of this game as I once thought I was mm-hmm. back way back when. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's due to this recent revisit. But I think part of the reason why I was so fond of this game initially is because I had such fond memories of this soundtrack. I think mm. it's in isolation. I think it's a really great piece of work. Um, it doesn't go for the safe choices in terms of instrumentation for a fantasy um, style game, while also still very much evoking a fantasy aesthetic. It's that that perfect hybrid of like being a little bit creative, but also definitely evoking the kind of vibe that the game is going for. Uh, and it's certainly a great deal me- more memorable than the score for the original game. I literally um, can't I, remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe it was exciting. I don't remember. This quickly became a headphone game for me, like nothing else. I think I've talked about that before. Like sometimes just having a couple kids and whatever, like just wearing headphones all the time and playing games doesn't really work out. But this became a game that I played almost exclusively at night with the headphones on just because I didn't want to miss a lick of the music. So um, it also has some pretty satisfying uh, crunches and squishes when you are fighting these various hordes of nonsense. Um, The only thing that I will say, which was a huge disappointment in the definitive edition, is that all of the sound for the quick time events is delayed. So, and I'm not, this is not a, just a glitch with me because I looked it up to make sure I wasn't being crazy. Like, you'll do a quick time event in silence, and then after you collect the war- reward, as you're collecting the rewards for killing the boss, you're just hearing, ah, uh, ah, uh, slice, stab. Like, <laughs> huh. it's all, like, delayed by about 30 seconds after the fact. Oh, so, that's weird. I didn't notice that. Oh, did you not? I, I, maybe it's only on the Xbox Series X version. Maybe. I'm not sure. I, uh, but it, it, I've got some hilarious videos of it as my death is just picking up, like looking at ooh, a purple scythe and all you're hearing is ah, ah, ah. like it's kind of kind of funny. But those became a little bit of a disappointment for me. But the the score itself is, you know, it's definitely maybe overshadows some of the other parts of the game. Like when I think back on it. So getting around as death, we sort of mentioned that uh, death, maybe not as much as his brother, but he's a he's a fairly kind of broad, uh, solid, robust-looking character. I feel like he moves a little bit like um, Stranger from Stranger's Wrath, maybe not without, yeah. not, not not quite the galloping. And he also reminds me, as I say, in terms of control and sort of look of movement as uh, as, as Soul Reaver, Legacy of Cain. Um, what's, he, what's he called? I've forgotten his name. Uh, his oh, name... Gosh. I'm not being a wise guy. Mr. His, Weaver. His, his name isn't Kane. No, 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 no. I don't. No, I don't know anything is, about those games. <laughs> his name. Either. His name is As Azael or something. Not Azrael. As, maybe it's Azrael. Azazel. 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 I'm trying to help. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> this is a, a, a excellent section of the podcast. Anyway, him. <laughs> Listen to our Soul Reaver show. I wasn't on that one, as if you couldn't tell. 
um and he's yeah as i say i had some issues just with the with the technical side of the animation just maybe there isn't that much of it during the the fights look a bit choppy even though the frame rate isn't inconsistent because of perhaps a lack of animation frames or something yeah um but overall you know he uh he vaults around platforms like uh very much like uh, prince of persia in the sands of time yeah uh, I I would say like in in terms of feel and and the snappiness of the controls, it reminds me a lot of Prince of Persia two thousand eight uh-huh. uh, specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the running um, from sticky out nodule like in the game. wall. Yeah, yeah, yes, we, uh, we covered North that one, really right? early North, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, just because Sands of Time requires a little bit more precision and a little bit more um, right concentration on the part of the player whereas this you could just go on autopilot a little bit it is that kind it's that sort of platforming perhaps also uh some similarities i i thought to the um the sly cooper games because he's a little bit sticky like he you know he's he's not super sticky but he will he will kind of magnetize the stuff a little bit or infamous yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. yeah Yeah, definitely. It allows those those windows on those wall runs. Like if you're if you're at a poor angle, like it'll it'll help you up there. You know, you can feel that like in the jump and you just kind of lock onto that wall and go back. And yeah. um, I do really enjoy that type of getting around. And I'm not we already brought up Uncharted today, but like I'd much rather get around a space between fights like this than going from handhold to handhold. You know what I mean? Like personally, it's, it's more fun. It's not. Mm. I don't think either one is particularly interesting. Um, no, the complete uh, lack of choice of route in yeah. this game yeah like yeah, the, sure. it's just it's it's almost like a qte platforming isn't it mm-hmm. um and in fact i came a cropper a few times you know the the famous bit in all the old assassin's creeds before they changed the engine where you would run up against a wall and attempt to mount the wall and parkour it and just drop back down yeah yeah so i had that quite a bit but i had it worst there's i think two or three timed sections that are very tight where you have to escape from a pit as the oh, ball's yeah. coming up or whatever. Yeah. yeah the amount was, of yeah. the amount of times that it would um buffer an up on the controller, you have to be super careful not to be uh inputting more uh movements ahead than than the ones that are absolutely correct. Yeah. Um I came came a cropper to that on a I think I died more times in some of those sequences than at any other point in the game any boss fights or anything like that just yeah just getting frustrated by the jump up the wall to grab the next there's no thing to grab coming back down and then that's all and your time hangs is gone. for a second when you do that which yeah, is yeah 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 frustrating yeah, those yeah. seems particularly punishing to like just the directional inputs like you said leon and the lava or the whatever the chasing forces the one i'm specifically remembering up is in the the one of the last temples dungeons you do where you you're going back and forth between two different eras of time in order to retrieve yeah. um, something that doesn't exist in your current reality anyway oh, yeah. um so uh there's one where the lava pits rising and it doesn't matter how good of a head start you get the lava catches up at certain checkpoints yep. so once you get to a certain height you'll just see that lava quick rise like you know you think you're banking yeah, time yeah. for an no. input malfunction you know what i mean and it just doesn't do that yeah i probably died easily more at those sections than than anywhere else for sure mm. Yeah, I, I think that kind of ties into something that was disappointment, uh, disappointing about this revisit is just how prescriptive this game is in yeah. terms of what you have to do as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the version of events that the designers had in mind, and you will do that version of events or you will fail. 
Um, not that it's hard to do that. There are a couple of moments of frustration, like the moment you just um, talked through, Brian. But most of the time, it's it's pretty simple to get through. But the fact that you are so on rails and, and like there's so much of the choice you have as a player is the illusion of choice mm-hmm. or just a numbers game, right? Just yeah. like what armor I have on. There's a bit more room for expression within the combat. I would say. Yes. Um, I guess because we're just talking about the locomotion at the moment. Uh, I I think that's where it's most keenly felt. Yeah, for Um, sure. And I I don't like how that uh, impacts the level design. It Mm. it ends up making all of these levels only hint at being like spaces that are lived in and and feel like organic spaces. Everything else feels like a jungle gym for the player. Um, and I don't know, like 10 years later, that's the aspect of the game that's aged most for me mm. is that that feeling that spaces are just gameplay spaces and there's little room for the level design to be part of the story itself, to be part of the world building itself. Yeah. Um yeah, the the combat's a different uh, kettle of fish. I, I think there is. It's not a Devil May Cry, right? It, no, it's no. not. It's not a Bayonetta. It's very far from that. There is room to customize in terms of like build. Like you can upgrade certain abilities and map those abilities, so you can have a slightly different feeling death mm. than another player. But the combat's maybe not deep enough. Yeah. Um, for that to feel really satisfying. And there's not much enemy variety either. No, no there's yeah. really not. Um... But before before we move off of the locomotion, I did just sure. want to say one thing in defense of it, um, and that is that it does feel almost over-designed, um, just the the the, um, the way that Josh was kind of alluding to. Like, it, it feels like it is just there to be a video game-ass video game to, to mm. carry on a theme here. Uh, but I did feel like they kind of carried it off because it is signposted in a way that worked for me. Um, And by that, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to leave you scratching your head as to which way you're supposed to go. They, they want you to do one specific thing that that is true, but also they're, they're not shy about telling you like, okay, the, well, the wall's worn away a little bit here. So this is the way that you're going to want to go. Or, you know, there's, there's a section here where you need to stand a dude or a, a plate that you need to push or or something like that. So, I, I mean, at least they're not making it difficult for you to do what it is that they want you to do. Now, how how you feel about that is, you know, completely up to... Yeah, up to... I, 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 I do agree with the point you're making. Like, in terms of communicating um, what the player needs to do, there is absolute clarity, right? Mm-hmm. I think... I, I'm obviously going to compare this game to Zelda games, right? And while Zelda games do have like a degree of artifice to them as well, I think the, the, the comparison I, I would make is to something like Twilight Princess, where they manage to strike a balance between it feeling like a game mass, you know, game level while also injecting it with personality, with mm. character, that sense of a lived-in space. I, I I keep thinking of the the um the snow the snowman level, the abominable snowman level in Twilight Princess, and how they they really walk that tightrope of of character and and level design. 
And I think I just wish Dark Souls, Darksiders 2 indulged in that instinct as well, but it, it doesn't do that for me. I feel almost the same way you do, Josh. It's just the, my point of comparison, which I've, I've already made once or twice. I'm not sure I'm saying it like that, but um, I think about the Uncharted games, very similar to Darksiders, particularly our Uncharted 1 and 2, very similar to Darksiders 2, um, not just because they came out at, at similar times, but... Um, the the journey is very linear. The open world spaces are not really open world. But the difference in the Uncharted games is that I was always learning more about the characters I was traveling with during those downtimes, and the combat I thought was a lot more uh, had a lot more variety to it and a lot of different ways to solve those puzzles. Where in Darksiders, you're not really learning anything about the world as you're as you're going along. And then when you get to combat, as you already kind of alluded to, Leon, like. There's not a lot of variety in enemies. There's not a lot of variety in how to tackle those enemies. I mean, depending no. on the skills you picked out. And their behaviors. Yeah. Um, so, like, and I know we're going to talk about the, the types of skills and things here, but but by the end of that game, like, I, I chose to build my death in, like, with some more area of effect tax or, like, ha- kind of having my own little sentinels that would run around for me. So by the end of the game, I could raise a bunch of skeletons from the dead and summon these crows out of the air to fight for me, and, like, I just kind of sat back. And just let them do their thing, unless I was fighting. Crows bots, were you know, great. So. Oh, I didn't really use those. Good. You see, there you go. Yeah. Uh, variety. Um, did anyone play this on anything other than the, the default difficulty? Actually, yes. I started on the default difficulty, and I got—I don't know, maybe, maybe halfway through or so. And um, I hit—I I don't even remember what it was now, but I hit some fight that was not even a boss fight. That frustrated right. me so much. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I'm just going to go to easy. So I yeah. did, and I did not regret it. This is harder than Darksiders <laughs> 1, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, I don't think personally, uh, having not tried it, so I'm talking out my hat, but I don't think personally you'd lose a lot from playing it on easy as opposed to normal. I think maybe there's a more interesting game to be had potentially if you crank it up and really learn all the combat properly and really spec yourself out. I don't know because I yeah. didn't do it. I struggle with that being effective because or not effective being like something that you might get out of the higher difficulties i don't know i haven't tried but like anytime Mm. i'd hit a fight that i couldn't get past it wasn't because the enemies were too difficult or i was not good enough i was Mm. like oh i'm out of health potions so i'd get my little i warp out of there warp to whatever village was closest like use all my money on health potions. i never buy i never bought a piece of gear this entire game because everything is just spitting gear at you you know so i just go back and then I, oh, now I've got eight health potions instead of the five I had before. I had just enough to beat this fave and moved mm. on. Like, to me, it wasn't necessarily difficulty spikes as much as do I have enough health for this fight kind of thing. And it's probably yeah. a failure of me, too. But Well, it is possible to, you know, get better at the combat to the point that you can take less damage. But, I, I mean, my experience was similar to yours, Brian, but I, I did... Um, you'll notice that the... So there's... Uh, the, 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 the environments have... Uh, souls-esque um, kind of chests and barrels and things lying around that you can smash open and I think the game is doing the thing where if it detects your low on potions it's more likely to spawn potions from dead enemies so too, and, yeah. and the environment so it kind of it, it keeps you topped up in that way but yeah there definitely were a couple of times where I I warped out before uh, before I anticipated a boss fight and just stocked up on stuff and yeah buying buying weapons and armor from from stockists is the classic loot-based game folly because it'll be redundant and irrelevant within moments of <laughs> yeah. you having paid yeah. for it. 
Yeah, I did I like have them. so much money though that I I I did buy a couple <laughs> of pieces. It wasn't much, but um, yeah. If sure. I found, I I would always kind of scan through whatever they had while I was there, and yeah. if there was something that was just straight up greens across the board, I'd yeah, be like, okay, for sure, sure yeah. why not? I'm not. Yeah. I spent a spent a bunch of money upgrading one of my cursed weapons just so I could get the achievement. I definitely did well. That. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the cursed weapons because a I really like this mechanic i like this feature i'm sure it's been done in other games but i ha- i don't remember having played one recently so there are certain kinds of loot that are kind of a fiery orange color they are cursed but not in the way that um cursed equipment in other games sometimes acts which is that it will have some horrendously deleterious effect on your overall being maybe uh, in in trade off for massive damage or whatever glass cannon style but it's just that they eat other equipment. So you feed you feed these weapons, um, and so you have uh, you have a choice of weapons. But generally, you've got your your X button weapon, which is normally blades or something light and two handed. Uh, sorry, one on each hand, and on your Y button, if it was on an Xbox three hundred and sixty controller. <laughs> you've got your hammer or larger weapon that you that you grip with too. I ended up with cursed weapons in both uh, slots and i ended up for the last i would say so the game i think i played for about 24 hours in total i would say for probably 12 to 14 of those hours i had the same weapons <laughs> and i fed them all to the maximum and they were so powerful that they made even the final bosses of the game quite trivial so yeah. i liked the i liked the scheme i liked the the idea and the setup but actually maybe it was a bit op yeah, that's what I use all my extra money on. I just bought out the the weapon vendor of everything oh, yeah, they had, of just yeah. fed it all to yeah. the cursed weapons because I ran, weapon. out, ran yeah. out of stuff. It's a really neat idea, um, and I I agree with you. I believe my heavy weapon ended up being um, the game the the, the cursed weapon I, I finished with. It was this giant hammer, and yeah. then was, um, the cr- was it the crow hammer? Because that's what it, I used. I think it probably was. Might yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but I think I ended up using some purple size that I found like literally right before the last boss fight that just happened to be just a slight bit better or whatever. I mean, right. at that point it probably didn't matter, but, um, yeah. but yeah, no, it's a really neat idea. You know, you like, like the curse being that you have to sacrifice some of your other power to get this more power. It's a neat idea. But like you said, by the end of the game or what, what they constitute is the end of the story because yeah, yeah. there are a bunch of other fights beyond that, that are way harder and higher level. Sure. Um, yeah. But, but that it does make, you know, your generic, you know, just like the, the storybook events you need to hit before the credits, it makes them kind of trivial by the end. I can't actually remember. So there's a, there's a there's a couple of places or two or three places in the game where you have to... Uh, oh, that's right. So you have to collect pages, cursed pages of a cursed book or whatever to give pages to Volgrim. Pages of the Book of the Dead, yes. That's right. <laughs> and he gives you a key to go into a vault or a tomb, and there's two or three of these. And when you go in, there's not only a bunch of chests, but there's also some kind of hidden stuff. Now, I can't remember, was that some of the key loot to the game or was it just more randomized or or procedurally generated loot? I can't. What I'm saying is I can't remember yeah. when I got those cursed weapons. Were, did I have to earn them by doing side quests or something? No, I don't or? think so, because no, I, I, um, I, I did collect those Book of the Dead pages. I think I finished like two chapters, but 
I only ever saw Vulgrim like twice because you don't have to use him to to travel mm, around. No. In this game. He's the way yeah. that you fast travel in Darksiders One. In Darksiders Two, he's oh, yeah. still a merchant, but he's not that integral to the whole just plot pops up thing. Here and so there. Yeah. I just collected them all, but I never really saw him to give him the weapon to give him right. the pages. So right. I didn't I didn't uh, do that. But um, yeah, I, I I think that you uh, most of the time, if I'm not mistaken, the Possessed weapons are rewards for um, just storyline type mm. things. Yeah. Uh, like for fighting bosses and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, because I didn't do... I mean, I collected a couple chapters of the Book of the Dead the second time around. I'm sure 2012, Brian, could have given you a detailed <laughs> description of yeah, of yeah. what those loot were. But I never went to any of Vulgar's, uh loot rooms or, or to, to, to finish oh, out really? that quest okay. line. I just kept going straight through. And um, mm. yeah, I had, I had at least three cursed weapons at, at one point, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't remember. You know, it's funny, and I'm not trying to. It's, it sounds like I'm just trying to take shots at the game, but like, it's hard mm -hmm. to remember when you get loot in this game because sometimes you'll end up with like a a green or purple weapon coming out of just like a random fight with some yeah. dudes, or or just a chest that you see over there that just pops out and like, oh my god, this weapon's so much better than what I had. <laughs> it really does barf loot at you in a way that makes it. This game suffers from that because what this game desperately needs is equip me with the best stuff button. Bam, mm -hmm. you know, that would make that would make yeah. the loot system and kind of the abundance of loot almost forgivable to me because I'd be like, you know, hit the button and then I'd look through and be like, OK, so technically this one's better, but maybe this one this one does fire damage or whatever. Um, And I could make my own choices based on that. But this game could really because there's so many slots for everything. And I really like how it makes death look different and, and you can actually see the weapon change yes. on him. And like, I love the cosmetic difference of that. Yeah. Just on that that point, like uh, that that loot system is also um, it, it really demonstrated how much my tastes have changed mm. in, in the last ten years as well. Because I found that you know that Diablo esque approach to to loot perfectly palatable back in twenty twelve. Yeah. Now I I find it really really irritating and. Because it, it's more and more common, like Assassin's Creed suffers, the more recent mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed, yeah. I should say, really suffer from that problem. Yeah. Um, the most recent God of War, in terms of like uh, modifiers to your weapons, really suffers from that as well. Mm. Um, I would much rather have very distinct weapons that have served different functions. Um, I, 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 I would rather have... Every weapon have a unique use, unique personality. From software games at this point, because uh, I'm not, I'm not going to mention a from software. I, no, game. I, I'm saying, I, 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 but I'm <laughs> a, actually with a, sort of bypassing the FromSoft obvious yeah, thing yeah. here. Um, and yeah, we've all we've all played Elden Ring just before we've played Darksiders too, right? <laughs> I guess to <laughs> yeah, some yeah, extent, yeah. Um, you know, and it's going to have an effect. But well, I don't know what Josh is talking about, though, because I started as a samurai in Elden Ring, and I beat the Elden I beat the Elden Lord with the exact same sword I started with. So, so <laughs> just because that's kind of how that sword's designed doesn't matter. I still never changed a weapon. So take that, Souls fans. So I'm sort of interested, right? I know, yeah, Bloodborne's very similar. Uh, <laughs> Blood, Blood, Bloodborne is similar. Um, uh, yeah, every, uh, like every every game critic, amateur or pro or semi pro, is is a FromSoft fan, pretty much, right? But I'm sort of interested whether we prefer. I'm thinking back. I have I've fond memories of things like the the Zelda way of doing things, which is that everyone's adventure to getting the best equipment is the same, whether it's Link to the Past or Ocarina of Time mm, or whatever, yeah. until Breath of the Wild, 
which has more of a system that's more kind of, uh, uh, I guess, slightly more akin to this kind of game. Um, and that was divisive, um, both in terms of its uh, implementation and the durability of the weapons. Listen to our Breath of the Wild podcast for that. Uh, but is the, you know, like I don't think I don't think it's a case of one is better than the other because people have their preferences. But is there? Is it as simple as FromSoft have found the the happy medium, which is where there's tons and tons of cool individual but very specific weapons in the game which you can find but then alter? Or is it? Would it be cool if Darksiders Two had had like an ultimate kit, but you had to jump through a lot of hoops to get it in the style of um, an old uh, an old Zelda game? Or mm. yeah, is it you know, like yeah, maybe we were all a bit fresher to the idea of loot spewing um, ten years ago, and obviously there's now even more controversy around kind of loot and and the mechanics with the recent mobile Diablo kind of. And, and people doing the maths on on how those kind of game mechanics can be used to exploit <laughs> mental health issues and things like that. Um, obviously, this game doesn't do that, apart from maybe the DLC, which we'll come on to. But I don't know. Um, what am I getting at, Leah? I, yeah, I do not like it when a game tells me there is only one load. A game, I should specify, a game that has different available loot that you can equip different different you know types of equipment i don't like it when a game gives me that but says okay but there's only really one that you want to have yeah if you're gonna yeah, give me yeah. choices then give me choices so i i if you're not then that's fine i mean if, if you only have one set but i i don't think that you can do both i don't think that you could have a game that gives you loot drops like this that all that are not just straight upgrades like i I think somebody mentioned uh, before having, you know, preferring a weapon that will do fire damage or that will, you mm. know, do some something that's not maybe just a straight upgrade damage wise. I tended towards uh, both in my upgrade trees and in my equipment, I tended towards things that would give me health back and I would a lot yeah. of the time sacrifice maybe a straight damage upgrade or a straight defense upgrade for something that would give me health back every time i hit something yeah and i if 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 what you are aiming for is to have this one set of scythes or this one hammer and that's like the ultimate thing that you can get in this game and everybody has to have that in order to have the best chance of taking down whatever the final mm. boss is then yeah. I just don't see the point personally. I, that's, I not, guess, um, that's not what I like. Sure. I guess I'm thinking like with whether it's uh, the ultimate master sword in, in, in a Zelda game or um, something like the ultimate weapons that you can get for everyone in a, in a lot of the Final Fantasy games, they're not essential, but mm. if you jump through enough hoops, they're worth getting. Well, I think they sort of do have that in this game, don't they? Like some of the possessed weapons. I think that the ones that I was using, I don't know if they're the best, but mm. I was using, it's like they're called the angel side or, or something like that. And mm -hmm. then they did. They actually gave you health back when you hit things. But I got yeah. them as a reward for some kind of, it was probably that angel yeah. boss in the end. But like, right. I, mm. yeah, I, I think there are some things that remain consistent. And I, I, I guess that's okay. But yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, I, Ryan. It's no, no, no. You're nothing to be sorry about. I, I agree with everything you said. It's it's hard to remain consistent when you do this, and and I'm gonna evoke both of the holy <laughs> the, the holy games that will scratch off bingo cards here. But like whether Super you like the, the dark yes the dark souls approach 
or the Breath of the Wild approach, where that like in Breath of the Wild, say for the Master Sword, you know, almost all loot is you know disposable. Like you know, it's just it's a means to an end. Every weapon's you're just getting it to get to the next place, and you try to save up some stuff that you like, but it it, it all breaks eventually. Um, the thing that I feel like Dark Siders Two suffers from is it doesn't really pick one side or the other, and doesn't mm. really commit to what type of loot game it wants to be. Because even in yeah. Diablo, where loot's just barfing out all over the place, there's like there's like marketplaces and there's ways to break down loot into other components to then enhance the loot that you got and and to create runes and all this other stuff and and the thing about all those games is that they they have like a clear vision for how they want that loot system to work and this game just feels like they wanted weapons with colors on it so you knew which weapon was better <laughs> yeah. but not it didn't have that much meaning and not to just jump right into my summary later but like like, it's amazing that to me, because this is a 10-year-old game, and I really enjoyed it when I played it through again. I, it's got all of its faults that it, we'll talk about, but, like, this game came out a year after the first Dark Souls, and this game is a 10-year-old game, but it's only five years younger than Breath of the Wild. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, yeah. this game should be talking, we should be talking about this game with the same lens we're talking about Dark Souls and the Uncharted, and it just... Everything this game tries to do, it does, it, it ably does. It created a loot system. It has a locomotion system. It has all these things, but not one of them really stands out as being, this is the reason I'm keeping to play this game, aside from the fact yeah. that it's just generally pleasant to play. Yeah, it, it doesn't It doesn't have impact. It doesn't resonate, right? Uh, like, just to, to reinforce the, the point you were making about the loot, loot system, even though Diablo um, and you know, Borderlands to bring up another oh, yeah, example sure. have mm-hmm. have similar like large loot systems. They're wild, like how like how different the weapons can feel. Ultimately, like the interaction is shallow, right? In Diablo, you're just clicky clicky click, and in Diablo, you're just shooty shooty shoot. But like the difference between one assault rifle and another is like one just fires regular bullets and another one fires missiles at the you know from the end of it like it's it's still creative it still manages to find ways to make its large loot system have impact have have personality Whereas I feel like with Dark Dark Siders too, well, like it has utility. Like Leah was talking about, like regaining health. That that has a utility, but it's not very cool. It's not very memorable. It's not very engaging. It's just numbers. It's just tweaking the the you know tweaking the the bar so it does one thing versus another, and it it doesn't have that tactile, visceral feel yes. that. <laughs> um, a, a Diablo game, a Borderlands game, and then to go to the opposite end of the spectrum, like a dark, you know, a Dark Souls has, where every because every weapon is unique, every weapon feels different, and you're no longer just considering the numbers when yeah. you play with a weapon in Dark Souls. You're actually also considering how long it takes to swing it, how long, how f- good, frankly, how good it feels to wield that weapon. Mm. Like, sometimes there are weapons in Dark Souls that are so heavy and slow, I don't care that it does double damage. I'm not wielding it. Mm. It's, that's the, it's that that's missing. It, it doesn't have that tactile um, element, and it doesn't have impact or resonance. I will say that I think the hammers are pretty good, though. <laughs> I, yeah. i'm a sucker for a good hammer and again like that's what i did in monster hunter too i was I just, gonna say I, I want this big hammer and i want to you hit love things smashing things teeth right I out like their faces yep. yeah, uh-huh. yeah 
Um, yeah, and, and I will say, like the the, the menus, whoever designed them <laughs> after that controversy, um, are perfectly uh, fine to use. I didn't have a, too many issues in there. There there weren't some, you know, some. You go back to some older games, and you're like, you know, how how am I supposed to even parcel this information and even some modern loot based games like the division two which I've, I've played obviously only a fraction of the amount of time of our j but still uh tens of hours 50 or 60 hours and i never really there's so much information on every single gizmo and gun in that game that i just couldn't even really work out how to compare one thing to another right. uh, in a meaningful way some people will be more into that granular comparison of stats than others but like that's and not to not to just keep talking about other games i'm not trying to talk about other games in this game i think it's, it's okay with this game yeah, it's, I, it's, think it's, okay I think it's relevant game, yeah. like in the division two that's a live service game that people are playing for months at a time and like five years your core audience is the is the group that is reading those things the core audience for darksiders 2 is not not loot based you know people that want to get into the granular things it's yeah. the people that like zelda but people that kind of like Diablo and maybe like things a little bit with an edge, right? Like it's it's a real wide shotgun blast of marketing. Fans will yes, love exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it just in the division of two, it works because of how long of a tail that game has and how they can continue update and continually do this and continue to do this. In this game, they didn't have that opportunity. Um, mm. So I, again, I'm not saying it's bad because because <laughs> when we get to our summaries, I'm gonna have mostly positive things to say. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um. But but yeah, I uh, it's just it's something else. Augmenting your weapons, you have these wrath skills, which are the things that are really your your upgrade tree is uh, is feeding into this. So you you level up from time to time. You get orbs, some orbs to uh, allocate to skills. Um, I guess it probably is possible to go all the way down and through the tree and max everything out if you play an enough achievement and for it potentially. Right, and do all the side quests and and every bit of content. But actually, I ended up nowhere near having maxed everything out. But I so I focused particularly on uh, the it's like a teleport hit basically where you pass all the way through the enemies and you suck some of their health and and uh, wrath as you go through. So it has the the double effect of both moving you away from where they thought you were and where they're attacking and also nicking some some health off them at the time so i didn't focus so much on weapons that nicked health i just did it by kind of passing through them it works on everything works on bosses and yeah and whatever else so that was my main thing did everyone else did uh, anyone kind of play around with this i i did power up various other things but i often kind of forgot to use them like there was a shield thing and a something else I went um, straight down the bird tree. Um, bird tree. Yeah, because, yeah, well, that, that actually feeds into my things that heal you because you can both uh-huh. you can both have it so that your birds hurt things and heal you. And then yeah. later on, later on, your birds just start doing ice damage because of birds do that. Yeah. yeah did we do this? Yes. do. Do we do this because we're ornithologist enthusiasts or because we're both American? Like, why did this happen? I mean, maybe because we just saw, like, bald eagles in... No, no, because I, I did this as well. The reason is crows are rad. Um, yes, crows are I do reason. like corvids. Why didn't I do this? Uh, yeah. um, I just got distracted so, by the teleport thing. So all of my weapons skills and stuff, all my traits were designed to rebuilding wrath so I could then just fire off the crows again. Just keep going so with crows, that was, yeah. That was pretty much it, yeah. 
I started out with the the, the, the zombies or the whatever. Oh, are, yeah. are they actually, what are they actually called in this? Are they actually called zombies? Yeah, I think they're uh, they're um, like undead soldiers, I think they're just called. Okay. Very generic. But I started I got off them with them, but then I ended up too, liking but... the crows better. So I just, yeah, yeah no, the I, crows. The, the, they're useful, but I think the crows just outclass them in every <laughs> scenario. Just mm. crows for days. <laughs> if I ever replay this game, I'll do the crow thing. <laughs> Scrussle from the forum says, like the series as a whole, Darksiders 2 wears its inspirations on its sleeve, liberally emulating the likes of Zelda, Devil May Cry and Bayonetta. While there are plenty of ideas borrowed from other places, those are the ones that really speak to me. The combat system is tight, stylish and has a great flow to it that makes it click for me in a very satisfying way. The pacing of the combos feels just right and it actually has a decent level of depth to it. While it may not reach the heights of the action games that inspired it, it took the right lessons from them in how different moves behave in specific ways in order to give them a certain function. So, if you put the time in, you can use them as building blocks to uncover the emergent properties they have when used together. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, we talked way, way, way back when, right at the beginning about uh, the sort of the difference in approach between God of War 3 and Bayonetta, I think, on a very early podcast, maybe the second or third podcast. Um, and I think this uh, this the systems in this game make kind of remind me more of uh, a Western developed one as it is like God of War than than um, the kind of the the more intricate and flashy Devil May Cry and Bayonetta. But um, but that said, yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed lifting enemies up in the air and knocking them about and smashing them down with a hammer. I had a fun enough time. It's just that the the enemies themselves were generally not very interesting to either look at or in the way they behaved, in my opinion. They're, they're very, I, I think they're very dull, um, my, most of the enemies. And, and the, the difficulty doesn't come from an interesting place, if that makes sense. Um, a lot of the time when I died uh, way back when in 2012, it's just because it was a numbers game that the, 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 the the monster was a higher level than me. Yeah. It did more damage, um, but the actual attacks, the the patterns, were easy enough to to learn and easy enough to 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 counter. It's just you were overly, you know, if you were facing something that was way higher than you, you were just overly punished for a mistake. Yeah. Um, so, like the 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 difference between this and something like God of War. Is I think the combat is about equal in terms like this is early God of War, God of War Two, God of War Three. Yeah, um, the combat is about the the same in terms of what the player can do in terms of complexity. I think God of War does just a much better job of creating variety through those enemies, right? Mm -hmm. uh, especially maybe less so God of War One. I. I think the enemies get a bit samey in that game, but in God of War Two and God of War Three. I think those games actually do a pretty great job of keep you know spicing things up, Mixing introducing up types. it, yeah, yeah, introducing enemies that complicate complicate your behavior and how you interact with the space. Whereas with Dark Souls, uh, Dark Souls, <laughs> Dark Siders <laughs> Two, um, Dark Siders Two, you you get into a familiar rhythm no matter where you go. I think the interesting difference between those two games or the first three God of War games and these two is that God of War, um, while very similar in its style, I think the animation obviously was superior for a number of ways. We talked about that earlier. Leon, you specifically mentioned it. But there's also no real visual response for when you're hitting enemies. 
There's mm. a little visual flair, but in in as we're directly comparing God of War, when you hit those enemies, like the animation literally stops for a second, right? Like a millisecond, just that has that hitch, and that yeah. gives you that tactile response mm-hmm. that yeah, you nailed it. And this game is just absent of that. It's a small concern, but still, I think meaningful when it comes to like yeah. like if you're gonna engage, engage, excuse me, in repetitive fights. You want some type of response from the game that feels good. And this game, it's not that it feels bad. It just doesn't feel great. Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, Leo's point, you you can kind of knock things about with the hammer. Sometimes they go flying. That feels cool. But, uh, yeah, I think overall there's a lot of kind of you're chopping through stuff rather than chopping it, if you see what I mean. Feels almost like you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're in combat with the intangible. Sounds um, like some people need to turn their vibration settings up a little bit more. <laughs> there is that. Just yeah, saying. we should we should say haptics <laughs> haptics play a part. We very seldom discuss them. I guess maybe as the uh, as the PS5 generation goes on, we'll be I, discussing. Haptics I have a more. wooden coffee table and sleeping kids. If I accidentally leave the vibration <laughs> yeah. on, it will just rattle everybody wow. awake in the house. <laughs> yes, pet fa- uh, pet peeve of mine is uh, is is vibration during cutscenes. Um, that you can't switch off, but uh, somebody did it. I can't remember who it was. Somebody, somebody made it an option recently. I think it was Horizon. Well done them. Uh, bosses, boss fights. Um, I think they made an attempt here to uh, make the boss fights a bit more uh, distinct than the the regular mob fights. Um, while I can't, again, I'm sort of struggling to bring too many individuals of these to mind i remember them being uh generally having a bit more of a yeah the back to the zelda like the sort of puzzle element to them where there would be a a pattern that you needed to watch attacks that you needed to learn and then um points that you needed to go in and wail um well you see there are three phases (laughs) it sounds like do they all have three phases a lot of them did yeah 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 not all but uh Particularly the later ones. The the only boss fight that I have any real memory or affection for is the Shadow giant of the rogue stone golem in the middle. Shadow of the, of the Colossus. Middle. Exactly. They clearly just wanted to yeah. do a Shadow of the Colossus. And it and it worked for the most part once I figured out what was going on. Kind of like Shadow of the Colossus. At first. Yeah, it yeah. was confusing at first. Um, yeah. No, I really enjoyed that one because it was wholly unique. But and again, it's going to sound like I'm talking about a game I don't like. I enjoyed playing this game again, but most of them were just big dudes in a circular room. You know, yeah. And that's pretty much all they had going. It, it, it's funny because Z- Zelda is gil- guilty of the same thing. It's guilty of the do the free things and the mm-hmm. boss is dead. It's just for whatever reason, it's more noticeable here. It, it feels more artificial um, and I, I don't know if that's just Zelda has historically has had so much personality um, that it just overrides whatever critical thinking. It feels like it takes that, ownership of, of that that way of doing yeah. things like this is it's so expected. It's kind of baked in. It's yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah that's but a, that's um, a good point. <laughs> I never thought about that. It is expected there, isn't it? You have yeah. the, you have this predisposed notion of what you're going to get, so that yeah. allows you to both expect a lot, but also give it a pass for when it is kind of yeah. samey. But I guess I guess with um, Zelda, they do a slightly better job of making 
the escalation feel more um, uh, exciting. Um, it's not as because th- there's one boss where uh, early on in Darksiders two where you just kind of throw an egg at it and then hit its weak spot, but all three times it's it, it's almost exactly the same, right? It's just throw the egg. Whereas at least with Zelda bosses, they'll complicate something. Some method of doing the thing is no longer available to you. The boss is angrier. It's got a new attack. Mm. It's got something that spices things up. Whereas often here, not always, that there are bosses that do complicate things, but often it feels like you're just going through the motions. I feel like I want to say something more positive, but I can't really um <laughs> but yeah I, I i guess this is a slight damning with faint praise but i never got horribly frustrated bogged down yeah. controller yeah. slamming with the bosses which puts this above a lot of games in that regard that angel dude uh, at the top of the tower he was kind of a rude a jerk. word that I cannot say on this podcast. Bit but, of a joke. Uh, <laughs> Bring yeah. him over to the characters use podcast. Say whatever you want. Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I was not uh, I was not a fan of that boss fight. Uh, but other than that, yeah, everything was pretty straightforward, I guess. Josh, as the uh, as the major Shadow of the Colossus fan here, did you when you when you realized you were playing a kind of tribute to it? Did you think, oh, that's nice, or did you think sacrilege? <laughs> no, 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 I I I like that kind of thing um obviously i i don't think it's executed nearly as well um I, but but this was a trend around that time because um yeah. uh castlevania lords of shadow does oh, yeah. does the same thing as well um yeah it's it's fine um but like it's par for the course for this game right like it, it everything it does it's stolen from elsewhere <laughs> whether it be prince of persia god of war <laughs> or portal like its totally. ideas yeah. are always from somewhere else yeah and at it least doesn't... unlike in the real shadow of the colossus you didn't have to spend half the fight just gripping one button so you don't All get right. Yeah, it doesn't. The, yeah. Those homages to other things here do not feel cheap in the way that you might expect. Like they kind of feel earned. Like even like the portal mechanic, which we talked about a couple times. Like, like that doesn't. Like yes, that's essentially what it is, but it's using it in interesting ways. And if you charge it up, you can come out with more force. Like there, it, it's doing mm-hmm. some yeah. things that that um at least make it feel an earned reference, not just a, a just like a grift. Well, let's get into yeah. that because. Personally, I I think the the dungeons and the puzzling is the probably the the aspect of this game that's held up the best in ten years. Uh, Scrussel from our forum says the Zelda style dungeon design is solid, albeit not groundbreaking. The tools you use to solve puzzles within those dungeons, however, have a few really interesting ideas going on. The Soul Splitter specifically makes for some very fun puzzles and is an idea I haven't seen replicated anywhere else, despite it seeming like an obvious combination of a few very well worn concepts. I, I'm pretty sure I feel like I have seen that in other games where you're not trying to be that guy, but like in Twilight Princess, Link has that spell where he takes over the statues and like yeah, that's... all around. It's very similar to that. I mean, you're not moving around a phantom Link, but you're yeah. kind yeah. of doing the same thing. It's going to depend which games you've played as to whether you've yeah, seen that true. before. Yep, but sure. yes, it, it, um, I think, yeah, I think it is a thing, but I, but I, yeah, I want to praise the developers of Darksiders here and 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 this is what I remember coming away 
from the first game feeling the most positively about is the dungeon design and the puzzle design. And I think here, actually, I think they've kind of gone beyond what I can remember from a long time ago. They managed in the first game. And actually, some of the, the dungeon puzzles, even even the ones I had to look up because I was being slow or whatever, um, I, I thought there was some really cool stuff with the lanterns, with the, with the splitting into multiple persons and with the portal stuff. I thought there was there was lots of nice chewy brain fodder here. I mean, to an extent, this is a Metroidvania, right? Like you yeah. get you get stuff that mm, yeah. I, I didn't really do much of this, especially not this time around. But you could go back, like you see some of those yeah. portal pads very early on, yeah. and you could go back and and do quite a bit. I think with some mm -hmm. of the uh, abilities that you unlock get later some on more in the loot game. to sell. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Exactly. Oh yes. Oh, more to money. Feed Great. Awesome. To my yeah. gauntlets. Mm. Um, yeah. That's the issue, isn't it? I mean, yeah. uh, we, we sort of come back to hitting on the loot system while praising the puzzle system, but um you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think there there were some there are some interesting points in the otherwise fairly vacant open world where there are probably yeah, bits that I should have revisited. I I think that the I, 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 we haven't mentioned this game. We've mentioned a lot of other games uh, yeah. while discussing this one, but one that I don't think we've mentioned yet is Arkham Asylum. Um, and to me... I did, sorry. Oh, did you? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, thought, okay. maybe you're in the loop, but yeah. Maybe. Don't worry. Okay. Bring, well, bring okay. it up again anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm going to bring it up again because I feel like the overall uh, probably Arkham Asylum is the better regarded of, of Arkham Asylum versus like Arkham City. Um, but that's how kind of it feels to me with Darksiders 1 and Darksiders 2, because Darksiders 1, there's less to it, but it is also more compact. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that the quality of the game is anywhere near, uh, Arkham Asylum in my opinion, but it, it, it does feel like it is built in such a way that, it it just all kind of makes sense. It all ties together. Darksiders two maybe doesn't pull that off quite as well because it is more stretched out. But the the dungeons themselves do get some of that back. I feel like. Yeah, it's it's not often that you see a game attempt to you know replicate the Legend of Zelda style dungeon. Like it's really not that common, and mm -hmm. because I think it's so easy to mess that up. You know what I mean? To be bad and. And I really think all of these dungeons, um, save for maybe, uh, maybe, maybe that final one with the time splitting mechanic is a little is a little has stuff to be desired. But like every time I got to a new point where I was in a new dungeon, like all the in between open world, quasi open world things, kind of were leaving me a little dull. But when I got to that big door and opened it, like I kind of cracked my knuckles and like, all right, here we go. I'm, mm -hmm. The next 45 minutes to an hour and a half, I am spending dedicated to this. And and they were rewarding and fun and like well-designed in the, in the way that they kind of track back on each other the way a good Zelda dungeon does. And, and yeah, I, I think that those parts of the game are really like above average. They're, they're very good. I, I do think the game itself drags on a little, but... But as far as like entering a dungeon, like th those were the times when I would be messaging you guys in Slack, being like, "Yeah, mm. this is I'm having a great time playing this game." You know, and there's quite they, a few dungeons. There's like, is it like seven or, or eight, sixteen? No, oh, more than that, that many. Oh, I wow. think yeah, it's quite a lot. There's a lot um, of optional ones. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah, I did a couple of those. The one for the optional rogue golem that went off, and and I did the but 
But yeah, the, it it just it I think it's where the game is at its best, right? Because you have this locomotion, this combat, um, but in an open world section, it doesn't really matter. The locomotion works better in closed, tight hallways, right? And with walls and corners. Yeah. And the combat works better where you have like legitimate combat arenas. So if you come across a, a mob of enemies in the over overworld, it's not it just kind of you stop off, get off your horse, take care of them, move on, whatever. Yeah. But like in those designed kind of labyrinthian dungeons, like that's where all of these other elements we've been talking about being kind of you know passable, subpar, whatever, they come together in a way that's a it's a really fun experience. Yeah, it it, it works because there's proper pacing to those dungeons and all those elements despite us saying like it's fine it's fine they are frictionless though right the combat is relatively frictionless mm-hmm. the locomotion is relatively frictionless and and thus the momentum of the dungeon like you feel that momentum right you feel that pacing you feel that deliberate hand of the designer guiding you through um there's the you don't feel that uh you know the frustration that you might feel if the the combat was a little bit required a little bit more rigor or the the locomotion required a little bit more focus and concentration it just propels you forward yeah was, we we probably touched on many aspects of this already but just is there anything that we haven't said already about why the general sense i've got from from us lot coming into this podcast was that the game has aged and perhaps more than we were expecting within its 10 years what what do you think's the overriding aspects that that give us that feeling i mean to 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 speak personally i i think my my tastes have changed quite massively yeah, in the in sure. the, the the last 10 years the obviously this is pre i hate to bring it up again but this is obviously pre me playing dark souls one mm-hmm. um i didn't get to dark souls one until 2013 um right. and uh you know i know it becomes a joke but like it genuinely is like a, a landmark title for me in terms of like what games i play now and and what what i look for and what i want out of games and the the kind of fun but very artificial spaces just don't work for me anymore uh in the way they did back then and um it just it, the whole thing feels very safe i think is the thing like it it like the video game ass video game thing right at the very top it just feels well executed but not unremarkable it it just doesn't swing for the fences um it 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 does a very competent job in some areas above average um but there's nothing here that's special in the true sense of that word or or even the you know what i mean that's subjective but yeah it, it personally mm-hmm. it just it doesn't have that spark it doesn't have that x factor that's a little bit indefinable i don't know i i think i'm maybe a little bit more uh maybe a little less down on it than than average here uh i i i do think that it is held up pretty well in the dungeon design which is really the meat of the game mm. and there are certainly some things about the art and the performance that age it uh f- yeah for sure but i i don't 
for me at least, uh, I I don't think that every game has to necessarily be Dark Souls in order to be good. And I'm not saying that that is. I am not saying that that is what Josh or anybody else is saying. I, but well. it, it, it well, yeah, okay. Uh, but, um, but but basically, what what I'm getting at here is that I think I I still, and I think a lot of people probably still have room in their in their gaming hearts for something that is just a really well-made one of those and i think this qualifies as that um this this it's it's not the best one of these i i don't think but it it has i never found myself disliking playing this i i enjoyed it and i think that i got uh, some reward of my own making i guess but uh out of solving puzzles and getting through those dungeons and it, it did feel good to me as much as we've we've kind of complained about various aspects of it me included i i don't think that i i don't think that i feel it is aged as poorly as as maybe mm. some other people do fair mauricio mm again from a forum says the dungeons and battles were good in the first game but thankfully got more difficult without becoming too frustrating and more varied this time around plus backtracking felt more rewarding too maybe because there was not as much of it as in the first game or maybe because exploration was just that enjoyable so i don't know anything about the dlc other than what i've looked up because i played the vanilla version there were a, a multitude of dlc packs still available to buy on the old xbox 360 marketplace Scrussell from our forum says the DLC dungeons in general are some of the best in the whole game. Now, does anyone know which which bits were which when they were playing it? People who were playing the definitive version. Um, well, some know... of, for some of them, it will say you have unlocked this. Right. Um, yeah. And and I didn't ever actually go and do the stuff that I have unlocked. Um, so I, I'm I'm looking at this list that uh, is in our our notes here, and I think that I probably ran across some of these because yeah. like the 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 crow hammer thing. I had that. I know I did, but I don't uh, know whether that was just a piece yeah. of of equipment that you can pick up uh, mm. as opposed to being like I I don't know how these were arranged really. Yeah, the only one I can say for sure that I did. Um was the, the abyssal too. forge um yeah. the abyssal forge came uh, unlocks after you finish the underworld or the city of the dead kind of main quest when you bring back all the phantoms and he decides to just let you keep them or whatever um and i remember that being really good like i i really um uh, you have to um uh take those guy called the mad smith and it's just kind of a great dungeon and kind of has some nice you know, puzzles in there with corruption that's kind of covering locks and you got to, you know, use some of the bombs and other stuff for that, too. Um, that it was one of the more enjoyable dungeons I played. And I said, I remember on Slack, like, I'm going to go back. I'm going to play a lot of this DLC. And that was literally the last one I did. I didn't go back <laughs> for any other ones. What happened? Well, they they ask you at the end of the game in, in the definitive edition. De de definitive edition. Um, uh, whatever. They say, hey, do you want to... Um, do you want to make a save where you can just go back and do whatever the stuff is that you unlocked? So, mm. I mean, I, I do have that if I should want to go back yeah. and do that, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to, at least not right away. So, yeah, they did a season pass, which you can still buy for a few quid if you've got the old uh, early versions of the game. Or, as I say, if you've got the definitive, you get it all packed in. I think some of the, some of the 
aspects that interest me were one one of the DLC things that it sells you for a few pence or, or whatever is a new visual effect for dust. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Um, but the one that I think the, the controversial one, this is almost this is almost worse than horse armor because although it actually does something, it's arguably something that you know maybe they could have put in the game rather than make you pay for it, which is it makes that makes your horse faster. <laughs> The, you have to pay to make your horse go to full speed. Uh, now, you don't actually need to ride your horse a huge, huge amount in this game, especially once you've unlocked most of the fast travel points. But um, yeah, I did kind of feel like once I'd read this, that I felt like my, my horse was artificially throttled <laughs> trying to get around the world. So that's um, that's pretty shonky. And I guess part of the, the reason that they gave the game away and put it in bundles and all that whatever else for the last have many years is uh, in the hope that people will still buy the buy the speed your horse up the carrot dlc <laughs> anyway mauricio mm in conclusion says i had a blast with darksiders 2 it wasn't a terribly memorable game and it didn't break new grounds but at the end of the day it was pretty fun outrageous kind of video game take <laughs> there's one thing we won't have hyperbole just it's everywhere simple fun games scrussell <laughs> from our forum says darksiders 2 is a game i have a lot of affection for and i can't help but come back to it repeatedly over the years it almost feels like a game made specifically for me being a synthesis of a lot of my favorite things from across the medium there are some things about this game that i wish were better though the most glaring is that it obviously is only half finished once you go through two of the four major overworlds, you find out that the back half of the game is only a fraction of the size of the preceding half. While I still enjoy that part of the game, it is a bit disappointing to see it narrow down in scope so much. It's a clear sign that this game went through production troubles, presumably because of THQ's ongoing financial collapse at the time. I was kind of blissfully oblivious to this, but it now, now Scrussell says it, it sort of makes sense, but I think it's the kind of thing that you'll obviously Scrussell has, as as they say, re returned to the game repeatedly over the years. Those sort of things probably become more glaring. I will say that I did notice. Um, I, I assume what they're referring to is the the like the heaven and hell or yeah. angel and demon mm. kind of uh, areas. I will I will say that I noticed the uh, the bit where you go in to fight the demons or to uh, to get that half of it is much shorter than the angel half. Um so I don't know whether that was intentional yeah. or not, but um that 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 I did notice. I I didn't really think too much of it as compared to the other areas, but yeah, I can I can see where that would be a uh, a thing that you would uh um, take into account mm. and yes thq did indeed explode not short not too long after this right mm. mm -hmm. which indeed may have had a bearing on the game's development just the two three word reviews then i'm going to hand over to our american contingent follow us on social media at cana rinse matt l says hoped for more and mauricio mm says zelda for dude bros fair enough <laughs> <laughs> let's sum up our feelings then in ascending order of positivity based on my perception throughout the podcast we'll start with grumpy cranky old josh <laughs> <laughs> you might be surprised to hear 
But I do, I do like Darksiders too. Um, I think my broad negativity throughout this recording comes from the disparity between how I felt in 2012 versus how I feel in, in 2022. Um, I, I really, really liked the game way back when, and now I just like it. And, and I can't help but poke holes in the the places that I, I you know, I see um, that I can poke holes. That wasn't a very complete metaphor, but you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I... The things that bothered me most were 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 the kind of artificiality of the world um, design, the the level design, and things like that. But like Leah and Brian said, like the the dungeons are very fun. Like they're very well paced. The puzzles are clever, um, and the combat and the locomotion, while not deep, particularly deep, are frictionless. So it allows you easy access to the parts of the game that are fun to engage with. Um, and I and I, you know I, I mentioned up top you know Death is an appealing character very much in the Josh as a twelve year old boy watching X Men the animated series kind of way mm-hmm. but still that has value that's not completely calorieless there's there's a, a, at least a peanut butter toast quality to that um, level of charisma and, and character writing. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I just wish that, um, my memories of the game kind of stood up to the reality of it. Um, I, I would still recommend it. It's a breezy, it's a breezy game to get through. Um, especially if you engage with the cursed weapons and just break the game entirely. Um, but yeah, and uh, it's just, yeah, it's just maybe not as special as I once thought it was. Thanks, Josh. I'm struggling to actually think of what to say for my summary, which is, that's probably a lie. I'll probably end up waffling on for ages like usual. But um, I probably left it too long to play Darksiders 2. I think if I'd played it when I first bought that PS3 copy in 2013 or late 2012, whenever it was, I think I'd have probably been more excited and absorbed by it playing it in 2022 in among other contemporary releases two generations down the line i think certain aspects of it uh stand out as being of their time uh, and and that's not always a bad thing for me you know, i've said in this very volume of the podcast that possibly my all-time favorite game is from 1987 so being old is not necessarily the issue it's more about kind of um what certain aspects and eras of design meant and what defined those those eras and and how they were put together um but yeah i certainly didn't have a bad time at all playing darksiders 2 there was very little about it that i found actually actively objectionable it was seldom a chore to sit down and play it it's just i don't remember apart outside of a few of the dungeon puzzles actually stimulating me i don't remember feeling overly stimulated um obviously there are infinitely worse things to to do and and ways to spend your time um even within the video game space that this is a, a game that i felt was competently made and put together with care and um you know relatively high production values i guess for a probably a game that we'd call double a but um but playing it now 
yeah, just I I can't say that I was ever truly excited. Even the stuff that I enjoyed was quite derivative of other things, whether it's Zelda or Portal or whatever. But you've probably got it in your collection somewhere or one format or another. Um, and there's certainly worse things you could play. Uh, you might like it as much as our correspondent Scrussel, in which case it's probably worth checking out. But I wouldn't put it high up your priority list of games to catch up with if you haven't managed to play it by now. Leah. I think that Darksiders 2 is a solid and pretty good video game. Um, that's that's about <laughs> that's about the extent of the excitement I'm really going to muster for it. But I'm not not happy with it because I, I did enjoy my time with it. Um, I remember enjoying my time with it in 2012 and I, I liked it as well, play, replaying it for the show. I don't think that it's something I'm going to go back to necessarily certainly not right away but i as as leon said you probably have it somewhere just kind of lurking on on a hard drive or on a, a console and i think that it's worth a shot if you like kind of a zelda-ish action adventure type game with puzzles that are not super demanding but enough that you'll you'll exercise your brain a little bit uh and and you know just have have a decent time doing so so uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I'm kind of in concurrence though with with Leon on that. I, I don't think that it's necessarily worth bumping up your backlog if you have other things that are are pressing against it. But I think you'll probably have a pretty good time if it seems appealing and uh, and you already have access to it. So yeah, it's a fun game. I like I like you know swinging around and uh, doing doing death parkour and hitting stuff with a hammer. And hitting stuff with a hammer, yeah, she exactly. Really does. I don't always have time to play Monster Hunter. Sometimes I just want to smack things with a hammer other places, <laughs> and this does that for me. So seven out of ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Brian, uh, he's got a broken foot. He's got broken emotions, according to his uh, social media today. <laughs> Listen, cried I at, cried. I cried at Sonic the Hedgehog. Cried at Sonic the Hedgehog. I've got a problem. And yet here we are, relying on Brian <laughs> for the most positive take. Um, on yeah, Dark says something too. about the rest of us, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the most uh, positive necessarily on how we all feel about the game, but I think that, like, I've just become really comfortable later on in my 30s into my early 40s with just, like, kind of liking something for what it is and not really expecting it to be too much more. I, I honestly think 2012, Brian, should be more disappointed in Darksiders 2 than 2022 because... Because in 2022, you're viewing it with the lens of everything that's come out afterwards and these huge games we've talked about through this entire podcast, like like all these things to compare it to. But if it, if it just boils down to it, like you want to play a game that you, you really you don't have to think a lot when you're playing it. Um, some of the puzzles and some of the dungeons will challenge you for sure, but it's just kind of a familiar Zelda-like. Um, I'll, I'll compare it to like the, the recent releases of indie games It'll Do and It'll Do Too. Like it, like there's Zelda, there's Zelda likes. It's what it's what they do, and they do it in a very competent and fun way. And and I don't think there's anything about Darksiders two that is a repellent. I think there's a lot of things it could do better. I think there was a lot of things then that it should have done better, and certainly things now. But if you're just kind of like, you know, if it's a, it's a, if it's a Friday night and you're thinking about going out and seeing the new garbage Jurassic Park movie, or like just watching some garbage TV show just so you can turn your brain off and, and enjoy pop culture, what it is. I think Darksiders 2 is fine for that at any time period. 
and you might even find that when you get into it that it's got some complexity to it that that you could appreciate so so yeah full-on um recommend but also don't beat yourself up if after a few hours you go i get it and then walk away fair play well said so it just remains for me leon to thank brian josh leah editor jay as well as our correspondents and of course you for listening next time in issue 528 back to brain training in our psychonauts 2 podcast 